This is the Relevant Life Church podcast, where we are about connecting with God, relating to people, and reaching our world. Tune in as our church goes through this week's teaching in God's Word. Good morning, good morning. Welcome to Relevant Life Church. If this is new, if you're, if you're new to us, uh, I'm Pastor Kevin. If you're if you were here last week and I wasn't here, I'm Pastor Kevin, and I'm so glad that you're here, so glad that we can connect with you. Some of you filled out get, uh, uh, connection cards. If you're here and you've not filled out one, we would love for you to fill out a connection card. We would love to be able to get better acquainted with you. They're in the chair back in front of you. You can also do it electronically, uh, and so you can do that either way. Um, but we would love to be able to follow up on you. I want to remind you that next Sunday, everyone say next Sunday. Next Sunday, the church is leaving the building. It's not what the church should do every day anyway. The church is leaving the building, and we are going to be ministering in the city of Salem because we love the city of Salem, because Jesus loves the city of Salem. He told us to go onto all the world, and we're going into our little world, and we're going to be doing outflow. Um, and outflow is where we go out into our community, and we serve our community in multiple areas. And uh, I, I'm just going to say right now, we need you. We need your sign-up. Would you go into our church app right now, even if you missed part of my sermon and ignore me, would you go sign up today? Uh, because it's so important. It's so important that you step in and you help us. If you're not serving right now, would you please serve? Would you please? It's, it's a two-hour stint of time each, two and a half maybe, uh, that you're going to come and you're going to serve, and we just need you to come help us do that if you would. And I know this, you're going to feel blessed because you're serving at Christmas. Not only are you going to feel blessed, but God's going to bless your life because you did it. Amen? Also, water baptisms, January 3rd, right around the corner. That's a Wednesday night here at East Campus. We're going to have our worship and prayer night, and we're going to conclude that, uh, that service with a water baptism. So if you have not had been baptized in water and want to be baptized in water, maybe you've been baptized in water and want to do a renewal of that, we would love to give, we would love to share in that opportunity as well. Uh, above and beyond, we're, we're close to the end here, above and beyond where we have been promoting Chi Alpha and Gen, Next Gen Ministries. Uh, we have exceeded our goal. Everyone say exceeded. We have exceeded our goal, and thank you for your generosity. Right now, we're, we, the pledged amount is 46068 when our goal was 35000 Can we give God a round of applause? Is that not amazing? I love it. I love it. And currently, as of Friday, 30,000 of that has already come in. Uh, we're asking, requesting that all monies would be, would be in by next Sunday because we want to be able to disperse the, all that before the end of the year. So if you've pledged and are able to do so, we would really uh, appreciate you getting that in. Last week, I wasn't here, and Pastor Jesse did an amazing job on the sermon. Can you, he's back in the booth back there, so if we have any mistakes on the slide, it's his fault, right? Give Jesse a hand of applause, would you? Last week I was gone, I had a birthday surprise. I turned the big 6-0 and everyone gasps because I know I only look like I'm 29, right? I tell myself that anyway. I, it's called self-deception, uh, but, but we're all deceived in some way, are we not? Uh, but so uh, let me live in my fantasy, you live in your fantasy. Uh, no, seriously, but I gotta go. My, my family took me off, my wife took me off particularly uh, on a, a trip to Disneyland, which I was totally surprised about on my birthday unveiled. But what, how that unpacked even was, was even a little bit better, even though she was amazing and I was so excited to go with her. Uh, we were walking into dinner that night and all of a sudden stranger danger approaches and someone's talking to me and I turn around and it's Trenton and Allie and they showed up to surprise me for my birthday. So I had an amazing time last weekend and uh, uh, just, just a good time of refreshing, a good time of fun, a good time of laughter. But can I tell you that there were some even some really cool God moments that took place as we're walking the streets, walking the paths in, in Disneyland. I didn't know this, but they have an Advent, cal Advent service. How many of you knew that Disney had an Advent service? They read the entirety, entirety of the gospel message, uh, sang choirs from around the, uh, what, a couple hundred people in the choir? A full orchestra sang Christmas carols and ended with the hallelujah chorus. Talk about thousands of people hearing the gospel message of Jesus. So it was such a, such a, such a time of celebration. Uh, but again, we're, we're finishing up today with our series above and beyond. And uh, uh, I'm not above and beyond, excuse me. I 
looking at my notes wrong, about, about direct messaging prayer. I guarantee you this, this is not gonna be the end, it's the end of this sermon series, but it's not the end of talking about prayer. I feel like the Holy Spirit is just continuing to speak to my heart about the topic of prayer and the importance of prayer. And I hope, I, my desire, I hope that you've been inspired over the last four weeks, somewhere, somehow, that your prayer, prayer life has adjusted. Uh, even if it's the idea that you've began to think about prayer more that you, you may not have necessarily stepped into it. Maybe you're praying a minute, whereas you weren't praying a minute before. Maybe you're praying two minutes and you weren't praying two minutes before. Maybe you're praying every day now and you were praying once a week. I don't know. I just, my desire is that we wanted to challenge you and inspire you into a deeper level of prayer. And a question that we've been asking throughout this series is this. If God were a contact in your phone, how often would you be messaging him? I'm not going to go back and re-preach and re-dialogue and re-discuss the whole concept of DM and text messaging and all that sort of stuff. But the concept here is, if God were this contact in your phone, how often would you text him? How often would, would he be, if you have an iPhone, would he be one of your, your favorites up on top that is the constant one that you're in interaction with? Would you recognize his phone number? Would he be saved in there? What would the dialogue of your conversation be? Would there be responses? Would it be silent? Would there be a lot of me, me self-absorbed questions or would it be larger questions? Would it be for praying for someone else like Pastor Jesse talked about last week? And we've been talking quite a bit we, over the overarching theme has been don't let prayer be your last resort, make prayer your first response. I think if that would be the biggest thing that I would ask that you would take away, that rather than jumping and talking to someone else, or rather than accusing someone else, or rather than, than whatever with our words or with our thoughts, what, what if we were to, before we did anything else, we would pray about it? Wouldn't that be a novel idea if all of us would just stop and pray before we reacted or before we said something or before we behaved a certain way. I think it would change a lot of our marriage, marriage relationships. It would change a lot of our friend relationships. I think it would change a lot of our work relationships, would it not? If we would just pause and pray. Prayer is talking to God. I don't know if you know this or not, but as I was researching this week, there are over 650 prayers recorded in the Bible. There are approximately 450 recorded answers to those prayers in the Bible. That's 70% of the recorded of, of 70% of recorded answers in Scripture. The first prayer is mentioned in the Bible in Genesis 4:26, where it says, "Mankind chose to call on God." Prior to that, it was God initiating the conversation, and it was after. And Genesis 4:26 was one of the very first moment that man thought, "I need to address God. I need to call on God." The Bible records Jesus praying 25 different times during his earthly ministry. Paul mentions prayer 41 times. And I would say this, just as I begin to think about it, there is nothing, nothing, nothing. I know nothing is one of those all-inclusive statements, but there's nothing more vital than your prayer life and your talking to God. Nothing more vital than that moment of your, prayer is cooperation with God. Prayer is stepping in God's invitation to say, would you call on me? Would you come to me? It's saying, God, I'm going to, I need you to partner with me. I'm going to partner with you. I'm going to bring you into my situation and my circumstance. Today, I would like to return to a quote that we used a few times in this series, but one that I believe is, is so foundational. Protestant reformer, Martin Luther said this, prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance, but it's laying hold of God's willingness. The reason I think this statement is so important and so powerful is that I think oftentimes we come thinking, we, we come reluctantly to a God that we think is reluctant to answer our prayers. We come reluctantly going, God, well, you know, if you would, maybe you could, would you Rather than, no, God, I know you've told me to come talk to you, so God, I'm going to talk to you. There's no reluctance that's there. Uh, and because it's laying hold of God's willingness to step into your life. Can I tell you today that God wants to hear your voice? God wants you to make requests. God wants to hear you talk to him. And God wants to answer your prayers. That's, the, that's this mindset that we need to shift. James chapter 5, verse 13 says this. Is anyone among you in trouble? Is anyone among you in trouble? It doesn't say, go to the police. Now, if you need to, go to the police. It doesn't say, call, call your mom, call your dad, call a friend. 
It doesn't say go watch TV, go get lost in social media, go do a craft. It says if anyone is in trouble, what? Let them pray. Everyone say it with me. Let them pray. You will say, Pastor Kevin, but I'm not in trouble. That's not trouble. Well, let me give you the Greek definition of what trouble is. Suffering, any form of suffering, any form of physical pain, any form of hardship or distress or affliction, calamity, misfortune. I want to ask you this week, how many would be honest enough to participate in this next moment? How many had any of those in your life this week? Any form of stress, distress, anxiety, fear, physical pain, whatever it might be. Can I tell you, James is coming under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and he says, if there's anyone that has trouble, what do they do? Let them pray. And I ask you in that question as I follow up, how many prayed about that trouble? Can I tell you, I faced some trouble this week myself on certain things, and sadly, my first response with some of them was not to pray. My first response was to grumble. My first response was to, ah! And I wonder if in our troubles, if our first response would be, how do we, are we stopping and praying? Are we even bringing God into the consideration, into the equation? Maybe you prayed once, but how many prayed more than, more than once about that? Today, the title of my message is pray again and again and again, and again, and again. The message today is keep on praying. The message is don't stop. Don't stop. I love this illustration. I've used it in the past, but don't stop praying. You never know how close you are to the answer. Can I tell you that I believe that so many times in our lives walking with God, this is the exact picture. We're right there ready for breakthrough, and we give up. We're right there waiting, saying, God, I, I, I'm just done. And God's going, if you just pray one more time, if you just be a little more persistent, and we're going to understand the concept of persistence here in just a second. And you say, but Pastor Kevin, I prayed, I tried it, and it didn't work. I prayed, and it didn't work. I think all of us at times can feel discouraged in our prayer times. All of us probably can have emotions of frustration. Maybe you're tired of the process. Anybody get tired of the process? Going, I've knocked and I've knocked and I've knocked and I'm going, seriously, God, are you even there? I prayed and it didn't work. I didn't get the answer that I was seeking. seeking. I don't even think God heard me. We often will think, uh, will think prayer didn't work because we didn't get the, an immediate answer. I think of this concept many times in my life, and maybe it parrots your life, but how many have watched the old Char, uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory uh, with Gene Wilder, I mean, the old one with Oompa Loompas that are orange and short and all that sort of stuff. Um, there's a character in there that I think plays it so well. It's the annoying Veruca Salt. The spoiled, rotten child. Everybody remember, anybody know who I'm talking about? The one that's spoiled and, and obnoxious and her dad has given her everything and her statement is, can you say it with me? But I want it now. Come on, I want it now. Isn't that the way it is oftentimes in our prayers with God? We come and we ask and we're going, God, I want it now. I want it now. I, I want it now. And I don't know about you, but I honestly, I hate to wait. I hate waiting. I hate, I want a quick response. I want a rapid turnaround. I hate delays. I don't like traffic. I don't like being put on hold. I don't like standing in line. Anybody else feel the same way? I hate waiting. We hate waiting. But can I tell you today, we live in a culture that has bred us into rapid response. We have a culture that has just confirmed that we are the most important beings on the planet. We have a problem today in today's society. We have too many fast food restaurants. We have too many television channels to choose from. We have theaters who have 24 screens and you can pick a movie. We have 300 megabyte uh, per second download internet service at our home. We have freeways with 70 to 75 miles per hour speed limits. 
We fly across the country in jets traveling at near supersonic speeds. We have meals ready to pop in the microwave and a whole section of the grocery store with vegetables and fruits that's already peeled and sliced for your convenience. Our cars even start before we can get to them and before you actually reach out to uh, unlock your door, it unlocks for you. We want it now. In a culture that wants it now, we can't even wait three days to get something, so we go online and we order from Amazon. Yay for Amazon Prime, right? Today, instant turnaround. Can I tell you, everyone say thank you, Jesus, for Amazon, right? But if you can't wait two days, you know what's so amazing about Amazon? Sometimes you can get it within hours. I mean, I ordered something one day at three o'clock this week and at four o'clock in the morning when no person was alive except me, Amazon's coming to my door, which is a little bit creepy just to say, and they're delivering a package. So how does this apply to prayer? How does this apply to prayer? I don't know about you, but in my prayer life, there's many times that I have to ask more than once. There's many times that I have to wait more than two days There's many times that I have to wait for an answer longer than I have to stand in line. There's many times that I pray and I have to outlast waiting for an answer longer than I have to outlast traffic that I'm in. This concept that is there, we have to wait for answers. And many times we can come back and go, well, I don't know if I want to pray, then I think I will just solve it myself. I don't know if I'm ready for this faith thing. I must, I, I, I must be, uh, I'm not patient enough to wait on God's timing. How do I even know if God's going to answer my prayer? If he doesn't answer right now, how do I know that I'm ever going to get an answer? Doesn't God know that I really have a life and I need to move on? That this situation needs to be solved? Anybody ever feel those frustrations to go, God, if you would just solve this now, then I can get on to the next thing. But I wonder how much of us, how many of us, because of our impatience, miss God in the equation. Because of our impatience, we don't wait and therefore we overlook this importance of persistence. What does God want us to do? What God, does, what, what God wants to do for us uh, oftentimes feels like it slips past us. When in actuality, he's wanting us just to pray about it. What opportunities go untouched because we just don't slow down long enough to pull the door handle to check? Has the door even been opened yet? We've given up. How long are we to keep on praying, you ask? How long until we get an answer? Can I tell you today, we in our culture don't wait on God the way that we should. We don't pray the way we should. We don't persevere the way we should. Sometimes God does say no, but often he, just, he, he, gives, us, uh, he gives us this answer of not yet. And we don't like the not yet answer. Many times God, as I've discovered in my life, God doesn't say no, but he doesn't say yes in my timeline. Can I remind you that time doesn't matter to God? Our time doesn't matter to God. Our our clock, as we look at our clock, his day is not ordered for 24 hours. His year is not ordered by 12 months. And many times we come back and go, but God, I prayed. I prayed an hour ago about it. God, I prayed seven days about it. God, I prayed a year ago. Can I tell you that God's not moved by our timetable? God is moved by his timetable. His time expands across eternity and just can't be measured in any way. If God waits a day or a week or a month to answer a prayer, your prayer, what's that to him in terms of time? It means nothing to him, only to us. Many times he uses the space of time to measure as the clock is ticking by to measure ourselves better. How many have discovered that the longer you pray about something, the more your request gets refined? The more you step back and go, is this really what I wanted? Is this really what I should be praying? Scripture is full of examples concerning the importance of continuing to pray. We see pray without ceasing. We say be devoted and keep alert in prayer. We see be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer. We see let your requests be made known to God. Pray at all times and do not lose heart. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit. Be on the alert, persevere in your petitions. We can see that the scripture 
filled with this idea of persevering in prayer. It's not just popcorn prayers. I can see persistence in prayer, perseverance in prayer in Nehemiah's life. It took five months before he was able to bring his petition petition to the king about Jerusalem. Hananiah, the mother of Samuel, said it was years past before she became pregnant. We can look at the lives of Job and Daniel and David and Paul and on and on and on. There was waiting in their prayer times. We, we uh, sum up God's word and we see a prayer and we see an answer. We have the privilege of history. We have the privilege of lifestyle, but we don't, we're not living in their lives. When they would plant a seed with their prayer life, they had to wait for it to sprout. And today, can I tell you it's the same thing? This word, persistence, is this. Having a firm or obstinate continuance in a course of action in spite of difficulty or opposition. Everyone say obstinate. Obstinate. How how many have ever worked or lived, or don't point at them, I guess, today, with someone who's obstinate? You know what I mean? Stubborn. They're stubborn. I want to ask you today, are, are your prayers stubborn in continuance? Do you keep pushing for the answer, whether it's a loved one, whether it's a child, whether it's a spouse, whatever it might be, whether it's a healing, are you obstinate, obstinate in your continuance of prayer in spite of the difficulty or opposition? Can I tell you in my life, when I begin to pray obstinately about stuff, it feels like the, the obstacles get intensified. Have you, how, how many have discovered that? I believe it's the enemy going, we're going to see how determined you are. Your prayer, can I tell you today, your prayers are a threat to the enemy. You start praying, he's going to go, how do I distract? You start praying, how can I get them to stop in the resolve? You start praying, how do I, get a, how do I interrupt their focus? When we think about persistence, would you consider yourself a persistent person? Would you consider yourself a persistent person? I'll tell you this, God loves Persistence. Today, I want to read out of Matthew chapter 7, 7 through 11, four verses here that we are familiar with that are also parroted in, in Luke, the gospel. These verses are at a conclusion of what we would know the Sermon on the Mount. Sermon on the Mount is uh, three chapters in the New Testament, the longest recorded sermon that we know. Uh, probably the most important sermon that you've ever heard or ever read because it was given directly by Jesus himself. Powerful message, powerful words, and he covers a lot of things, but he comes to the conclusion of towards the end of the Sermon on the Mount, and not only has he talked about prayer here, but he's talked about prayer three other times prior to this. Matthew chapter 7 out of the New Living Translation says this, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Your parents, if your children ask for a loaf of, you parents, um, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? I want to read it out of the Passion Translation, uh, just because I think the wording here is good. Now the Passion, just as a caveat, the Passion Translation isn't always accurate in how it portrays, but I think this is, I love the words here, and so I want to give it to you. Ask, and the gift is yours. Seek and you will discover. Knock, and the door will be opened. I love this part. For every persistent person will get what he asks for. Every persistent seeker will discover what he longs for, and everyone who knocks persistently will one day find an open door. Do you know of any parent who would give his hungry child who asked for a food a plate of rocks instead? Or when asked for a piece of fish, what parent would offer his child a snake instead? If you imperfect as you are know how to lovingly take care of your children and give them what's best, how much more ready, everyone say more ready, how much more ready is your heavenly father to give wonderful gifts to those who ask him? When we step back and we evaluate this passage of scripture, we want to step back and look at what the Greek actually says. And the Greek, when it's talking about this, is actually 
stating, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Would you say that with me? Keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. It's an ongoing process. This is a, uh, they would call it a, a, a present active imperative verb implying continuous action. Jesus' repetition in these verses is, is declaring, I mean what I'm saying, and I want you to believe what I'm saying. I mean what I'm saying, and I want you to believe what I'm saying. This idea of embracing this concept. Today, I want to give you four points about persistent praying from this passage of Scripture. Number one, persistent prayers keeps on asking. Very simple, keeps on asking. Can I tell you in this passage of Scripture, what I love about this is Jesus himself is inviting us to pray. But it's more than an invitation. Can I tell you, it's also a command, but it's also connected to a promise. He says, keep on praying, and whatever you ask for, keep on asking, and whatever you ask for, you will receive. And I think many times, and I'm, I'll get to it in a second here, many times we come to the place of going, no, well, we've got to qualify what we're asking because it has to be according to God's will and blah, 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 blah. But can I tell you in the process of not asking, uh, of getting so concerned about whether our motives are right, we just don't ask. We just don't pray. We step back and evaluate. And I want you to understand that Jesus is coming and going, keep on asking. What you ask for will come. And I think on a negative part, we, in our society today, get tired of our children continuing to ask. Have you been to a store and your kids are going, mommy, please, mommy, please, daddy, can I? And you're like going, don't ask again, right? I'm going to lock you in the cart and muzzle you. <laughs> now we don't do that. But anymore. <laughs> But can I tell you, what we've done is, because we get irritated with persistence, we stop being persistent with God. Somewhere we correlate God, God's response to our response. When God's saying, I want you to keep on asking me. I want to see your persistence. I love your persistence. I desire your persistence. This word, the, the ask in Greek is this, to request, to petition, to ask for with urgency, even to the point of demanding. Now, I don't know about you, if one of my children were to come to me and demand an answer, I, I'm not sure how I would respond. But I want you to understand here, this, this is not me interpreting a word. This is actually the Greek rendering of this word. That we're to come to God even with a point of demanding. You say, can we demand of God? How I want to give you an understanding is this. While it could be disrespectful to demand of God, that idea of demanding is coming and going, God, you've told me to ask, and I'm reminding you that I'm asking. And God, your word says this and this and this. And in a form, you're coming back and you're reminding him, and you're going, God, I, I'm coming with it. I'm demanding based upon what you've said. I'm demanding based upon what you've told me. When we ask in prayer, we're making our requests known. We're asking, we're expressing our needs to God and asking for a response. Hebrews 4.16 says this, let us then approach God's throne. As we pray every time we come, we're approaching God's throne. We're approaching him, the uh, throne of grace with confidence. Everyone say confidence. Not for you to raise your hand this morning, but when we had corporate prayer today, how many had confidence that we were talking to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords? How many had confidence that, hey, we're talking to God right now, and I've got confidence that he's hearing me? If you're not, you're missing out on a portion of your faith system. It says, so that you may receive mercy and find grace to help us in a time of need. Charles Spurgeon said this, whether we like it or not, asking is the rule of the kingdom. It may, it may have everything by, uh, if, we, if you may have everything by asking in his name and nothing without asking, I beg you to see how absolutely vital prayer is. Remember that we don't get what we don't ask for. God doesn't answer what we don't pray for. James chapter, two, chapter four, verse two, you do not have because you do not ask. And I wonder sometimes do we come and we don't approach God to ask because we think it's too small? 
We don't approach God to ask because we think it's too big. We don't approach God to ask because we think it's too petty and it's something that we should solve ourselves. I want to remind you about what our first passage of Scripture says. If anyone has trouble, let them pray. If anyone's feeling stress, let them pray. There's nothing too meaningful, meaning, menial to God. There's nothing meaningless to God. Everything that you are facing, every burden that you are carrying, God cares about you. Tim Keller said this, God will either give us what we ask or give us what we would have asked if we would have known everything that he knows. I love this statement. How many have prayed prayers? How many have asked God things that now you look back and you're going, dear God, thank you that you never answered that prayer. Why? Because when we come and we ask God, this time of waiting, this process that is there, God refines the prayer. God refines us. God works it out. And God is this God that goes, no, I may not give you everything you asked for, but I'm going to give you an answer. I'm not going to give it the way you want it to look maybe, but I will give you an answer. Matthew 21, 22 says this, if you believe you will receive whatever you ask for. John 14, 13 says this, I'll do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified. John 15, 7 says this, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. John 16, 24, ask and you will receive and your joy will be made complete. 1 John 5, 14 through 15, this is the confidence that we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked for. James 1, 6, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Believe the one who doubt, uh, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. Mark eleven twenty four. whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Ephesians 3, 20 through 21, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Can I tell you, this is a fraction of the verses that declare for us to ask. I don't know about you, but as I begin to look through the New Testament, I see it over and over and over and over again. And I think that somewhere you and I should get a clue to go, I think God wants us to ask. I think God wants us to talk to him. I think somewhere, maybe, bright idea, God might say, hey, would you involve me in your situation? God's saying, are you in trouble? Would you pray to me? Do you have need? Would you ask of me? Is there a crisis? Would you pray? Number two, persistent prayer keeps on seeking. This word seek intensifies the process. We seek when we don't know where something is. Seeking is, uh, uh, in seeking there's a concentrated, a concentrated time and an effort that is attached to it. Asking, asking is simple. Hey, can you take the garbage out? Hey, can you da da da? God, can you? Asking is declaring your needs. Seeking is stepping up to a different place that's going to say, no, I got to put some time and effort in this. Seeking is asking put into action. It's being deliberate and searching to find out what God wants for our lives. Ephesians, or Matthew chapter 7 says, keep on seeking and you will find. Can I tell you, I, I, I'm enthralled. I love the command, but there's a promise that's attached to each of these. That God's going, if you will seek, I will answer. If you will, or I mean, if you will ask, I will answer. If you will seek, you will find me. I love the one in Jeremiah 29, 13 that says, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Can I tell you today that God wants to be found? The answers that you're searching for, God wants to give you. Do you, do you believe that today? Do you got confidence in that today? I think of what, uh, this idea of hide and seek. Cam and Xander, my two little grandkids, loved to play hide and seek. And Uncle Trenton is like the hero because he does it nonstop. And our house can just be this, everyone hiding, you know. And Grandpa, Peepa gets a little tired. And so I let Trenton take over and do it. But this concept of hiding and seeking. When we hide and seek, we're not hiding not to be found. We're not hiding to go, it's impossible to find me. We're hiding in order to be found. Now, we're not making it overly obvious. They have to seek. They've got to wander. 
But can I tell you that many times in our understanding of God, we're going, God, you're uh, it's unable to find you. Can I tell you, God wants to be found by you. God wants to be found by you. He says, if you will seek me, you will find me. There's a promise that is there. If you will take a little extra time and put a little extra effort in, you will find him. Can I tell you, sometimes that seeking and finding is diving deeper into scripture. Sometimes that seeking and finding is sitting silently in worship and just letting God speak to your heart and letting the Holy Spirit do what he's going to do. Sometimes that seeking and finding is listening to a sermon on a topic because you're struggling in an area and light is going to be illuminated. God wants to be found. God wants to expose the answer in your life. But it takes us to keep on seeking. God desires for us to admit our needs to him. Can I tell you, it's a form of humility to come to God and go, God, I need your guidance today. God, without you, I'm sunk. God, in myself, I might be able to accomplish this, but without you, I will never be able to accomplish this. Can I tell you today in our lives, I believe that many of us are dissatisfied with relationships, with jobs, with marriages, with so many areas, because rather than seeking an answer through God, we've solved it through us. We're doing what we think we know or what we, rather than getting on our hands and knees or searching through scripture to go, God, what is it that I need to do? What is, what is it you want to do in me? As I said earlier, speak, seeking is, implies an element of time. It's not a simple act. It's a series of acts. There must be seeking, searching, something is lost or something is hidden from us. And prayer becomes a search, a plea for insight, a desire for understanding, an unwavering moment of persistence to God. Number three, persistent prayer keeps on knocking. This word knock intensifies the process even further. Seeking implies something you haven't found yet. Knocking implies you know that it's on the other side of the door. Knocking knows that it's there and the door's shut. Knocking, no. Have you ever gone to someone's house and you know they're home and you're knocking on the door and they're not answering the door? If you're a solicitor at my door, I have a camera and I ain't going to come to the door unless I know who you are. But can I tell you, God doesn't treat you and I like solicitors. Hear me today. We ask, we seek, we search. We know there's an answer on the other side of the door, and God goes, I want you to knock on that door. I want you to be persistent with that knock. Knocking is asking plus action plus perseverance. Persevering, long time. How many have ever prayed five years for an answer? How many have ever prayed 10 years for an answer? How many have ever prayed 15 years for an answer? Can I tell you, when we look at the Old Testament passages of Scripture, we see people that prayed Year after year after year after year, and sometimes it was never ever seen. The evidence was never there until generations later. You want me to give you an example? Hundreds of years passed between the last book of the Old Testament to the New Testament. Hundreds of years. And what were they praying for? God sent us a Redeemer. God sent us a Messiah. God, would you, God, we remind you. God, we're asking, we're seeking, God, would you come? Would you rescue us? I wonder sometimes, I put myself in stories such as that, and I go, God, what have I had, what have I had the determination to continue to seek you? Would I have kept on praying? Would I have given up? Matthew 7, 7, keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. This word knock is signaling one's presence on the other side to strike. The Greek word here, or the Greek actually plays it out and says to beat on the door with a stick. Think about it. We're not just talking a simple little door knock or a ding dong. We're talking about someone going rap, 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 rap. When we're talking about a knocking, we're not just talking about a single little knock. We're talking continuous knocking. That's perseverance. That's endurance. 
How many have heard the statement, the squeaky wheel gets the grease? I don't want to say that God wants to get rid of your irritation and your annoyance, but God's looking for some squeaky wheels. God's looking for some perseverance. God's looking for some persistence. God desires for us to keep on. God goes, how important is this to you? How bad do you want this? Because in the waiting times, it's not just about waiting on God to give us what we want. God's going, I want to prove in you something. I want to work in you. I want to refine you. I want to bring resolution in you. We get to this whole process of of prayer and knocking. Can I tell you, when Jesus was in the garden, he was knocking on heaven's door. Three times he asked, God, would you remove this from me? And yet he knew the Father's will. He knew what the Father's will was. He knew that he was going to go to the cross. But what did he do? God, if there would be any, any other place, any other way, God, I'm going to knock. God, would you open the door? Would you change the plan? An old or a New Testament word that we use, a King James Version word that we use is this word importunity, and I want you to hear it. It's persistence to the point of annoyance. We see in the parable of Luke 18 of the persistent widow. It says in the King James that she was, she she approached with an importunity. She was persistent to the point of annoyance. The, The act of making intrusions, of being unrelenting, of consistent. As you begin to step back and look at your prayer life, I think probably all of us can give a, give ourselves probably at least a B on asking. But then we have to step back and go, how good am I at seeking? Do I drop a couple grade points? Do I even make it on an A, A, A to F scale? What about knocking and persistence? By knocking, we communicate that we want God to open a door that we cannot open ourselves. When the door opens, have you discovered that sometimes what's on the other side of the door doesn't look like what we prayed for? How many have discovered that? But can I tell you, there's a responsibility that you and I have if we don't recognize it completely. God says, you have an opportunity to walk across this threshold and to step into my will. Or you can stand here going, well, that's not what I prayed for. The reason is, is because God leads us into my fourth point. God knows best. Persistent prayer is fueled by our trust in the Father. Can I tell you that prayer, prayer is fueled by this thing called trust. Confidence in the character of God. When I come today and I talk about, do you believe that he's the same God? As we look back at old stories, do you believe that he's the same God that today that did all those things and that he can do that exact same thing? When we look at our prayer life, that our asking and our seeking, your level of asking, seeking, and knocking reveals your level of trust in God. Oh, Pastor Kevin, that's harsh. Can I tell you that's true in your life as well as my life? The level in which I ask, the level in which I seek, the level in which I knock declares how much I trust God with the answer. How much I trust God with my life. Do you really trust God? This word of trust, firm belief in. Not just a believing that he's there, but a firm belief in his reliability in his truth, in his ability to answer what you're asking, in his strength, putting your confidence in him. Pastor Kevin, is that Webster's Dictionary? No, this is Greek and Hebrew definitions this morning. I want you to grasp this concept. When trust is mentioned in both Old Testament and New Testament, it centers on this firm belief on the reliability and the ability of God, that God is stronger than you. He's reliable. When we think about that idea that nothing is impossible for God, that's this concept of trust, knowing that he can answer prayers. Your trust level fuels your persistence. Your trust level fuels your determination. How much you trust God says, I can ask, I can seek, and I can knock. And I know God, I have confidence that God will come through. He's reliable. Jesus in this story in Matthew chapter 7 compares earthly parents who are evil to a God who is perfect. When we think about ourselves today, I don't know what kind of grades you give yourself as a parent, 
we all have, how many, how, many, how many know that every family in this room has dysfunction? We're all broken. We're all broken in how we parent. We're all, I, don't, I don't care who you are. You're going, well, no, I'm going to be better. I, I'm going to be better. I'm not, I'm not going to raise my kids the way I was raised. Well, I, you may be better than what you, what you were raised in, but you're going to add your own dysfunctions to it. Why? Because we're human. And when I think about the whole concept here that good parents, parents want to give their kids what they ask for. Good parents want to meet the needs of their children. Am I right? But us in our humanity and our evil and our sinfulness, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 7, you parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you not give them a stone instead? Or do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you being sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father who is all good, who is completely perfect, how much more does he want to give to his children? Jesus uses this example. For us to understand this, we understand bread and stones, and back then there were smaller loaves, they were more flat, but they could appear as a stone, and he's going, what are similar items that we can compare to? Jesus wasn't really talking about snakes in this, in this passage of Scripture. He was talking to eels. Eels were, were, were thing in Sea of Galilee and in the Jordan River. And they looked like a snake. And he's going, are you going to give your child a, an eel, a snake, or are you going to give your child a fish? How much more, how much more is this true about our Father? What I want you to realize today is just as us as parents love our children, God loves us as his kids. I want to remind you today that God is not a distant God. God is not an indifferent deity that's up there going, well, if they perform good enough, they can get my attention. I need to remind you today that as we come in just a few weeks to celebrate the birth of Jesus, the reason Jesus was born was for you. As we celebrate Easter, Easter, the reason Jesus died was for you. This father that's not indifferent, this father that is a good, good God, he gives good, good gifts. You say, Pastor Kevin, what is it you're trying to show us today? I want you to realize today that we've been invited to ask, to seek, and to knock because God is a good God and wants to give us good things. And for some reason in our culture today, we've stepped back from the idea of prayer. We've stepped back from the idea of persistence. We've stepped back to say, well, no, it has to be in faith. Yes, all those things are true. But can I tell you today, God wants us to talk to him. God wants us to keep on keeping on. As I close, no one asks or no one finds unless they seek. No one is given anything unless they ask. No one receives from God unless they knock. We can see throughout scripture that prayer is ordained by God to dispense his blessings. Prayer is ordained by God to dispense his answers. We must not allow ourselves to believe that God will do for us apart from prayer what he has promised and actually commanded us that he would do through prayer. Keep on praying. I know that prayer can be frustrating. I know that persistence can be tiring. I know that sometimes you've texted and you don't get a response and you don't even see the little bubbles and you don't even know if that it was read or not. But can I tell you, our good, good father who loves you, who cares about you, who knows you, he wants you to keep on knocking. And if there's a dry period, he's going, I want to prove something in you. Bottom line is this. If you can come back and trust the character of God, and maybe you're in this room today and you don't know the character of God, so therefore you don't know how to trust the character of God. You need to discover who he is. You need to learn who he is. You need to look at the word of God and you need to figure out going, God, do I trust this, this being that I, that I want to follow? Today in our application, let's go to the last slide there. Keep on praying. Can I tell you, all of us need to get a little bit of this gumption in this little kid. Everyone put their fist up like this. Come on, say never give up. Come on, never give up. 
Can I tell you, this is what God is wanting us to come to. Let's not make prayer our last resort. Make, let it be our first, first line of defense. Let's come with our asking. Let's come with our seeking, our pursuit of who he is. Let's come with that knocking that seems obnoxious. Why? Because it reveals something to God. And God loves us to be persistent. And God, our good father. Everyone say our good father. Say my good father. Come on, make it personal. Say my good father. My good father wants to answer my prayers. Your hands are lifted across this room today. Would you do it with me? God, I thank you that you are so good. God, I thank you that you are such a good God that you, and you give such good gifts. God, everything in our life that is good has been given by you. God, we are blessed because of you. And God, today we come thanking you for your goodness, knowing that your character is good, knowing that you are reliable, putting our trust and our confidence in you. And God, today I pray across this room, if there are levels, God, of trust that are questioning, God, would you strengthen our trust level? Would you increase our trust level? God, those that are doubting, help our unbelief today, God, in the name of Jesus. And God, I pray today as a result of this message, as a result of this passage, as a result of this message that you, Jesus, yourself preached, and the most powerful sermon that has ever been, been verbally given. God, would you challenge us to ask, to seek, and to knock? God, not to question going, did I ask enough? But to keep on asking. Did I seek enough? Keep on seeking. Did I knock enough? Keep on knocking. How long do we do it until we get an answer? God, would you bring a persistence in our church, bring a persistence in us as individuals? God, importunity, importunity, that annoying knocking. God, work in us, I pray. Challenge us, I pray. God, I thank you that we have, that you've invited us to be part of history with our prayers. You've invited us to be part of your kingdom with our prayer life. God, help us to step up in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here today and you need prayer, our prayer team is here and they are people of importunity. They're persistent. They continue to pray for your need even after you sit down. They continue to pray. Our prayer team does. So if you have a prayer need today, would you come and let them pray with you? We pray for you, pray alongside you, and uh, we would really be honored in that way. I also want to remind you, if you're new with us, make sure you fill out a connection card. Leave it on your chair. Drop it in the green box back there. Hand it to an usher, staff person. Remember all of the many events and activities that are coming right around the corner in the month of December, as well as January. Would you go on and make sure you're part of those? Most importantly, we need you to be part of Outflow next week. So go and sign up today, sign up now, be part of what we're gonna do. You'll be blessed. Thank you. Here at Relevant Life Church, it's our mission to see people connect with God, relate to one another, and reach our world. This single statement drives everything we do as a church. Our hope, is that today you were encouraged in this. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.